0: Happy Saturday! Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host audio producer Stephen Serda. Light week is the Kansas City Chiefs wrap up training camp in Saint Joseph, Missouri. We got preseason action tonight as they take on the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona at 7 p.m. So let's get you caught up right here on Best of the Week. We'll start things off with the Great British Chiefs Show, just discussing their observations from the Chiefs' first preseason performance against the Saints. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Chiefs coast-to-coast, Coast, discussing the latest on Chris Jones and previewing Saturday night's game against the Cardinals. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
1: I'm not doing that. In the end, I end up watching the the game in 40 where you don't get any adverts, you don't get any replays, but just watch the 40-minute version. Yeah, but best bits, yeah. Fair play to anyone that sat there and watched four hours and five minutes of <laughs> preseason football. Like You are the real MVPs. Well, I mean, pre-season wasn't all bad. I mean, there was
2: some highlights. Um, all right, technically it wasn't from the ones, but the pre-season is something you've just got to look at with um, a, a bit of sense of realism in a way, haven't you? That it is just for the twos and threes to kind of fight for a place on this squad. Yeah. And the ones, pretty much that everybody was playing in the ones are going to be getting their place on the on the roster anyway. So
0: um,
2: we won't go too far into the ones because the ones were just... I mean, the the defense was just so soft. Nobody was wanting to tackle. Nobody was wanting to get hurt. No, and and you can get that. I mean, Andy Reid's vanilla offense. That's another thing as well. I mean, C H probably had more touches than anybody in the
1: first yeah. uh, first stint. Um, we actually talked about running backs and try to run them into the ground. They are literally doing that for Clyde to there, aren't they?
2: <laughs> pre-season four, just give them the running backs, fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to give any games, any players away or anything like that, dear, when, no. uh,
1: when it comes to preseason, And so um, the twos that sorry, we saw... sorry to interrupt. It's like, yeah. I'm always in... You know the really famous Titans punt t- touchdown or fake punt touchdown? that they, It was years ago. It was in yeah. the Hall of Fame game. And it was an incredible play. It's where the, the punter—I can't remember his name—but you see it every single year. Every time the day of the Hall of Fame game, the Twitter pops up, and it's when Mayboy goes to take the punt return, and he ends up putting the ball around his back and then running to the running yeah. to the end zone. It's like a four-yard touchdown. It's a hell of a play. I've always been so annoyed that they used that in the preseason. Yeah, like why not wait and use that type of stuff in the regular season? Like if Mahomes come out yesterday and threw a left-handed pass behind his back, I'd be so annoyed. I'd be so, 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 so annoyed. Because, yeah, it'd be fun. And everyone would be like, yeah, look at Mahomes. He can do that. We best watch out for that in the regular season. But he wouldn't ever do it again. So I'm actually okay with Andy Reid keeping it extremely vanilla. He always does. I was actually looking at some of the the preseason games from the last few years. And like outside of one where Mahomes threw two touchdowns, and he probably played an extended period of time. That was a couple of years ago. It's been so incredibly boring. And the stat lines from Mahomes, you if you base you base your opinion on Patrick Mahomes purely on his stat lines from the preseason and his quarterback rate, and you think, who the hell is this guy? Shane Bashelli should be the QB one for the Chiefs. Like yeah. it, it's it's nothing to look into. It's nothing to get annoyed about. And this is where I think some people do struggle with it. People like massively overreact to the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. But like you always have to remember that the 2009 Lions, I know people throw this up a lot, they went four and oh. And they <laughs> went 4-0 in the preseason, or in 16 in the regular season. So preseason, the results really doesn't matter. The performances from your ones really doesn't matter. But yeah, certainly on the, the flip side of this, the twos and the threes, and like, yeah, especially when you've got a uh, battle at certain positions like we've got going on, they are the important ones. How do they stand out? So yeah, that is important. But let's not get too caught up on what Patrick Mahomes didn't do mm. on a Sunday evening in the middle of August against the New Orleans Saints. It certainly looked like that Andy Reid – I joked on it on social
2: media that it looked like Andy Reid had just dusted off the 2019 playbook because he had Blake Bell in motion uh, for the uh, the fourth down kind of uh, QB sneak that did he did – that he, he always does it. He always okay. does it. And everybody knows it's coming because as soon as you see Blake Bell going in motion, they're like, oh, well, he's just, just going to sneak it because Patrick Mahomes isn't.
1: I'll tell you what, that is actually probably the only play that did matter. Sorry, <laughs> <The entire, laughs> had the entire lot. What can they do differently this year on on those situations because it doesn't work anymore? No one is surprised by the tight end going emotions in the quarterback sneak. Like, surely it's about time that Mahomes starts running them himself.
2: Yeah, 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 oh. absolutely. Because I mean, it worked for Brady. I mean, if he was, if Brady's happy to do it and he's considered the goat by yeah. some people, um, then you know, a lot of people. <laughs> um, so. Um, and surely you would get somebody like Patrick Mahomes. I think we've always been scared about the fact that obviously his cap he spun the the wrong way around or whatever it was on that player, that one player that that seems to have mm. just doomed us from forevermore of ever yes. seeing Patrick Mahomes ever doing a QB sneak. But it's clearly got to be in the in the playbook this year at yeah. least, or at least from this point moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got
2: to be confident in it
1: you're letting the guy run on a bum ankle in the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game right? and run twenty-five yards when his ankle is literally hanging on by a thread, but you still won't let him run a quarterback sneak. Like I get not doing it in the preseason, but I'm just I'm 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 hoping that, that isn't the plan for no. for this year. I'm I'm because obviously they're not going to carry a fullback into the season for the first time in God knows how long, because obviously Michael Burns gone now, he's in Denver and yeah. unless they move on their tight ends to a fullback position, that's not gonna happen. So That the fullback uh, dives out the option out out of the playbook now. So I don't know what else they can do on fourth and one. Yeah, they can try their sprint out, but Tyree Keel's not there. So unless you're going to drop Bahamas back and just let him have a a pass by every time, every time, then surely now now is the time that he had to start running the QB sneak with, with 15. And like it would be, I think it would be good. I think it'd be a big mental weight lifted off the team if they could do that. Because so many times last year where I'd love to get the stats. I probably should have got the stats before we brought it up, but like it seemed like fourth and one and third and one last year was just such a struggle. Yeah. And then you look at the Super Bowl and like you we're playing the Eagles and yeah, they had their specific play for it. And yeah, they were putting Jalen Hurts' body on the line a little bit too much for my liking if I was an Eagles fan. But they were just, every third and one, fourth and one, it was easy for them. Yeah. It was it, it was simple. They just managed to, Push push Jalen Hurts over the over the line and yeah and somehow and for whatever reason the league didn't want to get rid of that play they kept that play in there yeah I don't want the Chiefs to be running it all the time not to the extent that the the Eagles certainly were against us in the Super Bowl but surely now this is the time that the Chiefs actually go right let, let, gotta let, try it let's let us let we yeah. least got to try this in a game we can't carry on putting Blake Bell in quarterback sneaks because it's just not going to work this year
2: just end, like you said it's just it's just telegraphed. From every time yeah. he goes in motion, it's telegraphed now that it worked before. Fantastic. Yeah. But they snuffed it out really well in this one. And obviously the chiefs managed to sit down on the bench again from, uh, from not actually getting the, the the fourth and one done. Um But again, as we were saying, Andy Reid's vanilla offense, Um it, it might be an indication that we probably will throw that out now from moving mm-hmm. forward uh, in the season. It could be that we don't know what they, they're going to dial up in the new season, but um Preseason isn't the time to try these things. So clearly, um, it was going to be vanilla. Um, I just wanted to just uh, uh, kind of flip on the other side. Derek Carr, he looked amazing against our defense. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it looked like a Super Bowl winner. I mean, if you put the two players or the two teams on there from yeah. that first few drives from, yeah. from the one, you'd think that the Saints were the Super Bowl champions. Yeah. Um, and when Derek Carr scored his touchdown, it was like proper like psyching up the crowd. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Wow, this guy, this this really is Derek Carr
1: Super Bowl, this isn't it? Trying to get one over on Patrick Mahomes yet again? Um, I, I I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's the fact that he's in the new city, he's got his new team. It's the first touchdown yeah. pass, albeit unofficial, that he's thrown of his Saints career. I, I think it's I, I think it's a sneaky good story to watch this year. Like I'm not a massive Derek Carr fan. I think he's a bit of a, a douche, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term. But yeah, I I, I I'm not a massive fan of his, but Maybe that was blinded slightly because he played for the Raiders. Like, I do think it's a nice redemption story this year, like him going to the Saints. I do feel like he makes the Saints a hell of a lot better. Mm -hmm. I do think they have got some good pieces in that team. They've got a lot of vets, they've got a lot of savvy vets. So, when you've got like Jameis Winston, Jimmy Graham, uh, yeah, Michael yeah. Thomas, Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, they've got all these older players. And the, a lot of them were, maybe minus James Winston, were all really good players in their, in their prime. And I, especially Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas at one point was considered one of the best wide receivers in the league. And I do feel like they have got enough down in New Orleans to really have a go this year. That division is crap this they, year there's, there's like I think Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback in that division this year so yeah. they, they do stand a really good chance of making the playoffs and with a defense as good as theirs and an offense that if they can keep everyone on the field should do okay I think if you're a Saints fan like you do look at yesterday yeah it's only preseason but you do look at yesterday and the start that they made and you'd, be, you'd be pretty excited about going into the season
2: yeah I think yeah, yeah I think so and I think you're right I think that uh, that kind of blinkers that we put on when uh, we think of uh, of derek carr because he's been our uh, kind of adversary for, for so long hasn't he for so many years yeah. in FC West that you just think oh yeah I'd love to see him fail but really I- I'm like you I'm I'm a bit more like I'd like to see him do better than what he what he has at the Raiders. Yeah. Like I would well. love for
1: him to have a better career than Philip Rivers. Honestly.
2: <laughs> what so you can argue that Derek Carr should be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah honestly I would <laughs> I really would if Derek Carr can make an NFC Championship game or even a Super Bowl with yeah. the Saints and the Chiefs beat him in the Super Bowl, i would be fine with that. Honestly, yeah. I would. Okay Remember, Derek Carr was really close to winning an MVP a few years ago. Wasn't it? Was, was it? it was Twenty sixteen yeah. was it? Yeah, when until he broke his leg. Yeah, he was really close to winning an MVP. They oh, were okay. really good that year, yeah, and they was. just he broke his leg and they all it all fell apart. But yeah, Del Rio era, wasn't it? I can't remember who the, so long ago. They've had so many coaches that I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, it's but yeah, it's been a fun merry-go-round, has not it? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. I'm, I, 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 don't wish him well, but at the same time, I don't hate have like the you hatred. You
2: don't want to I win him with letting him win a Super Bowl. You just want him to do well. Go on,
1: Sunday, yeah. get your
2: participation trophy.
1: Go on, go on, get. That. Speaking of um, uh, Billet Rivers, did you see that story last week? that come out the 49ers, that if the 49ers made the Super Bowl, they potentially were going to call on Philip Rivers to um, be their backup quarterback.
2: What, I as in mean, like the emergency guy?
1: Or yeah, yeah, from last year. No, because obviously, really? got of the, got to the yeah. NFC Championship game and the 49ers literally had no so They had Brock Purdy oh. out there who couldn't throw a ball. And yeah, yeah they they were completely done in quarterbacks. Apparently, they were going to bring, they were thinking about bringing in Philip Rivers if, if that was going to be the case. Imagine oh, that. <laughs> that would have been annoying. Imagine if you'd won it. Imagine oh. if they would won that, and then
2: they gone and went went into the into the Super Bowl and won it, and he got in through the back door. Can you imagine that?
1: Yeah, and so, he would have had there's a joint there
2: somewhere. I'm not. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. If only he went through the back door a bit more often. <laughs> it's only have less kids.
2: I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs>
1: I'm going to move on from that time. <laughs> Well, now we have to wait and see. We won't find out until Tuesday afternoon whether Steve leaves that in the show or not.
2: <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you did.
1: Parent, parental advisory on this show going forward. <laughs> Daddy, what did Tommy?
2: Talking about the, that, that, let's talk about the twos,
1: the number twos. <laughs> <Yeah>. um... <laughs>
2: So uh, Blaine Gabbert stepped up um, and uh, he seemed to do okay. He seemed to do uh, pretty damn well. He connected well with uh, with Richie James. Actually got a TD with him as well, um, which uh, I was quite confident. I thought he'd be a decent backup. Then we had Bouchel come in. Mm-hmm. Yes, he threw an interception, but I, I it was a bit harsh on him. because I mean, yeah, it was a slightly off target from Ross and it was tipped, but after that, he seemed to really kind of gather his thoughts and, and really kind of play well after that. Um, mm. I mean, I don't know who I'd be more comfortable with as backup, whether it would be actually be Gabbett or actually would be uh, Bichelle, because I thought both were serviceable, confident, um Gabbett's obviously got the experience and everything, but you know Bushle. Yeah, but... He had a bit of an Inima Holmes moment as well, which, you know, the things like that rub off on young players like that, don't
1: they? I think Chad Henny's success yeah. has made me feel better about Blaine Gabbert because mm. I've, I believe Blaine Gabbert and Chad Henney were both together in Jacksonville for quite a while. I and know. that tandem of quarterbacks was basically the Jacksonville Jaguars equivalent of Damon Hewitt and Brody Croyle. Mm. <laughs> like... And so, if you told me a few years ago, oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, the guy back in it would be Chad Henny, I'd be like, For God's sake, what are we doing here, Andy? Come on, yeah, let's get someone else. But then, obviously, Chad Henny had all this success that he did, and he was more than reliable when he did step in. In fact, I would say he was good, good to great sometimes. Good, he's uh, legendary status yeah, yeah. in the kingdom. exactly any given Sunday so now I feel a lot better about Blaine Gabbert because of Chad Henny's success in the system Mm. so I do feel like the Chiefs will lean towards Gabbert being the number two but at the same time I think they have to really seriously consider Shane Buscelli Mm. as a viable option also and I do feel like they are going to carry three quarterbacks into the room this year yeah especially because like you look what happens to the 49ers they can't be in that position no, like, again, and to your point, Bushelli made some plays that looked kind of Mahomes esque, like looked like he could add a little bit more. And I, I kind of tend to think, like, actually, if you're down to the point where you're playing your third string quarterback, maybe there should be a bit of yeah. about it. Let's just let him go and play. Yeah. Like, they, they, there's no point trying to get him into the uh, offense and say, "Right, I need you to make these exact plays that Mahomes makes. We just kind of shame Shane Buscelli to kind of be like, oh, you just do you. Yeah, and let's see how we get on. And at that point, if you're going from Mahomes to Gabbert to Bichelle, you're kind of thinking the game's lost anyway. So you might as well just let Bichelle be as comfortable as possible and let him do what he wants. So I do feel better about the quarterback situation, the the backup quarterback situation after yesterday. But I don't want to sit here and say a rubber stamp. Oh yeah. Blaine Gabbert's number two, because yeah. I don't want I don't want Gabbett to be that comfortable. I do want there to be a competition mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks. And I am actually intrigued of all the things to be intrigued about in preseason. I think the quarterback, backup quarterback position is one of the things you can be intrigued about because it is so important these days. Like Mahomes, for all of his ability to like run and do all these wonderful physical things. He has got injured from time to time. Like we have seen it. Well, he's had what now? What three or four injuries in -hmm. his six year starting? So he's not, he, yeah, he mostly he's available, but every now and then he will, he will set out games. He will set out halves. He will set out drives. So we do need these guys to come in and play for him. So, yeah, I'm up for the competition. I like the competition. And I'm, I'm here for Gabbard versus Bushelli. I'm here for Gabbat versus Buscelli part two and part three.
2: It's an interesting point you raised actually about the you know that reluctance sometimes from a, a team to actually let their backup QB just play his, play his own game. Yeah, I think that's where the Chiefs do really well because I mean we saw we saw Henny taking games to you know to to other teams you know where he's. He made that amazing run, didn't he? So he obviously made that, uh, That was it the fourth down that we had? That was, it was he, the Browns. Yes. the Browns. He died across it. You know, he, he he took that on himself to actually go make that right. play. And that's what you kind of want. And I think the Chiefs, I think Andy Reid almost encourages that a little bit more where I think other teams don't really like to do that with their backup QBs, especially mm-hmm. like a third stringer, where they'll, like you said, a lot of the time they'll just probably give them Handoffs or check yeah. down or something like that, you know, just to kind of keep, to keep the ball moving and keep that momentum going. But, um, yeah, I, it's an interesting point that because, yeah, I, I think it's good when you see in the preseason that, that they have got that freedom. And again, we saw it with, uh, with, with Michelle with that hell of a play, the little sidestep mm. that he did, like Mahomes esque, you know, to, for, uh, for the past two.
1: Uh, it from, was very Mahomes esque, wasn't it?
2: Very much. When I actually looked at it, I thought, God, it was Mahomes back on the field. That's what I thought yeah. when he did it. Um, but, um, I mean, th- like I said, things like that rub off in in, in, in training camp, surely to a, a, especially to a younger player. I mean, m- not more so than, you know, Gabbard's probably still stuck in his own ways and his own kind of, uh, you know, techniques that he has. But Michelle's um, pretty, I, I think he's picked up a few things in uh, in training camp from Holmes and, uh, yeah, let him cook. <laughs>
1: he's pulled up, genius, let him isn't cook. What? It's his third year now, isn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah. So, yeah, he's got to be knocking on the door, surely. Like, it can't be too yeah. long before he's going to be wanting the actual, the proper backup position. Like, if not this year, then certainly next year. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm here for I can't imagine he'll get picked up if we do end up cutting him and trying to get him onto the practice squad. I can't imagine another team will pick him up. But, mm. no, I, I like it. I think it's an interesting battle and, like, his... his that particular touchdown pass was just so entertaining to to yeah. avoid the sacks like he did. And then to keep his eyes downfield as well, which is a very Mahomes trait, to keep his eyes downfield under pressure and, yeah, to, to throw that laser afterwards. Yeah, fair play to him.
2: Good yeah. Um, he connected well with my guy, Justin Ross, um, Your guy, my guy. guy. Uh, try, you, know, got,
1: you can't try and take credit for Justin Ross. No,
2: no, I'm not going to take credit for it. I'll take credit for Nick Bolton, but not Justin Ross. But um, <laughs> I, I'm literally just jumping on the back of, uh, like we said before, Patrick Mahomes Sr.'s uh, uh, hype train around yeah. Justin Ross. I think a lot of people are already on that hype train now already from seeing what they've saw already uh, in this preseason game. Um, I liked his route running. Um, I don't know if you saw... His kind of route where he made for um I'm trying to think of who it was, number seventeen. Who was it? Who scored the touchdown at the back?
1: Richie James. Richie
2: James, that was it. I, I can't get used to the numbers. I always think of Col Hardman.
1: Yeah.
2: Um so yeah, that's another thing. Well I'll come up in a minute about I mean, Jersey numbers just come loads of players had swapped all the numbers around and yeah, stuff yeah. In there as well. Which I'm glad is, you really want to bring that up because I do too. So confusing, but um, but yeah, I mean, even just like the diversionary runs that he did as well, which, which really helped the team. I was really impressed with Ross. Um, I don't know if you felt the same,
1: yeah. Like I said to you, I've only watched the game in forty, 40s, so it's really hard to get a feel for, yeah, yeah, what actually happens because you don't see any replays, but the bits that I saw. I thought, all right, okay, this guy's here to play. The bit that impressed me the most was it was like the contact that he took. Like I don't know if you, the interception Ooh, yeah. from Chamber Shelley. Ross obviously lost out on the jump ball and the ball got yeah. tipped. But I don't know if you saw in the aftermath, he got hit twice, once by a Saints defender, and as he was getting up, another Chiefs uh, offensive lineman just come along and cleaned him out. But. <laughs> And I've, yeah. uh, they're just and testing what, him out you know they're
2: just yeah, test, yeah. test that
1: and back out so we talked about it last week about like the the difference between like training camp and obviously preseason, and we wanted to see these guys play at full speed and we wanted to see like full contact and they finally got to see that with justin ross and it was nice to see him fight through contact a couple of times there was one point where he made a nice play actually he actually ran a curl um he was the far side of the field from the the broadcast angle and he ran about seven eight nine yard hitch. Mm. And the only thing that I didn't like on that particular play was that Chambers threw the ball and it was kind of like a bit of a dud. The ball, it, like, yeah. it should have had a bit more zip on it and it didn't like it was my, my homes. It probably had enough zip. But Justin Ross was waiting for the ball a little bit too much, and like the, the Saints defender almost got across, got across mm-hmm. him and picked off. And he had he done it, it would have been sick for sure. In that situation, I'd like to see Justin Ross react a little bit to, more to the under underthrown ball, maybe go towards the ball and catch it. That's like, but that's really, really nitpicky. I loved his route for the touchdown. I I I loved his hands. I, I loved the his route running again for the Richie James, like the freeing yeah. freeing up Richie James into the far corner. Yeah, you can argue that it was a bit of a blown coverage on the Saints part, but even still, Justin Ross played his part in it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. And I think I, I, I don't think it's a it's a hype train that's necessarily slowing down anytime soon. Like I, I'm just started doing our headlines now for Tuesday morning, and one of the CBS articles is overreaction versus reality and One of the things is our Justin Ross is making the the Chiefs roster and they're already putting it as reality. So I do feel like this is going to be a story that picks up more and more and more national attention. So it's just be interesting to see how much the Chiefs are going to throw at him over the next couple of weeks and over the next couple of games. I do like the fact he wasn't in with Mahomes because if you look at the receivers that were in with Mahomes, Sky Moore, MBS, these are the guys that are guaranteed to make the roster. They didn't even get a pass thrown their way. So they've been wasted reps playing with Mahomes. What he does with Blaine Gabbert, what he does with Shane Bushelli in the next couple of weeks, that's the part which will make us be excited or kind of down on him. And right now, I think you have to agree that everyone needs to be excited about Justin Ross.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. East Coast
4: to Coast episode 52, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Aaron Ladd here in KC. Steven Serta behind the bar. Mark Gunnels, the biggest Taylor Swift fan we know, is in LA. <laughs> it's nice and bright here in KC right now. Let, let, let's touch on a couple injury updates because a lot has happened since the last time uh, we potted. have been doing the, the bi weekly pods in the offseason here. Jody Fortson is placed on injured reserve, meaning his 2023 season is over it was a shoulder injury to my knowledge and i believe he posted on instagram saying that he already had surgery the surgery was successful and that he um looks forward to a healthy and prosperous next time he touches on the football field tough loss obviously a guy who's a big body uh target in the red zone and when we sat down and talked this offseason he had big goals for this year um tough to see in this way for for fortune
0: Yeah, very unfortunate, man. Talk about a guy that's had a lot of bad luck during his career. Uh, A guy that I've been high on in the past as far as his potential. And why not? I mean, the guy's 6'5", 6'6", super athletic. You know, you were hoping that he could be maybe that Tony, so I was going to say Tony Gonzalez, but uh, Travis Kelsey (laughs) uh, kind of replacement potentially. But when they drafted Noah Gray, I think that was kind of an insurance plan policy there just in case Jody Forsen didn't turn into that guy. And, you know, it's not that he didn't turn into that guy. He just can't stay healthy. So uh, definitely hoping for a speedy recovery. But uh, this may have been his time up in Kansas City, unfortunately.
4: You mentioned your boy, Nico Ramejo, after his big showing. Six targets, four catches, 71 yards in the loss to the Saints. He goes down with a shoulder injury as well. Was not at practice today that is wednesday august 16th um it's a watch and wait situation and as you mentioned it could potentially benefit him if he ends up as an ir stash but part of that mismatch competitive wide receiver room for kansas city kansas city entering 2023
0: yeah and like we mentioned earlier for the chiefs perspective as long as it's not obviously we don't want it to be a very serious injury but Now you could potentially put him on the IR, and he's a guy that you could stash on the practice squad. And if something happens throughout the season, I mean, we saw last year in the AFC title game, they got to the point where they were banking on Marcus Kemp to get first downs. So you never know what injuries can happen to that room. So just having him in the stash could be beneficial later in the season if guys get banged up. I'm going to be honest. I'm starting to get nervous
4: about Legereus Sneed and his knee inflammation. His last practice was July 31st, did not play against the Saints. And I talked about this locally here on 610 Radio. It sounds like an issue that Kennedy's is going to be monitoring throughout the year. I'm not really worried about him missing preseason action because we know this guy is going to strap it up and be ready to play with limited practice time. And he's done that in the past in the regular season. But if this is something that continues to be an issue, it, it gives me pause, Mark.
0: I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it's actually funny you bring it up today because today was like probably the first time that I really started getting concerned for some reason. Because with knees, it can be tricky, man, especially when you got swelling there. Nothing to play with. So the fact that he hasn't practiced in what going on three weeks here think that is kind of concerning i think you'll be pretty naive to not to to not admit that at this point and especially when you have such a young db room thankfully they did have the ultimate experience last year going all the way to the super bowl and winning so you couldn't ask for a better rookie experience for those guys heading into year two but still just having him there your best corner he's so versatile He, he spags throws them all around the field Guy that has under a complete understanding of what Spags expects from that position uh, is definitely concerning, and I'm hoping that he can be ready by Week One against the Lions because that's a very explosive offense the Chiefs are going to face Week One.
4: And then finally, Isaiah Pacheco, the second-year running back out of Rutgers. Had the off-season surgeries on the broken hand and the torn labrum. This is from Arrowhead Pride's article of some of these injuries and a roundup on them. It says uh, recovery on a torn labrum is usually six months, which would have him cleared for full contact around August 20th. This upcoming Sunday, Chiefs will probably uh, test him in practice before um, pushing him into any preseason or anything like that. Um, but I'm not worried about Pacheco and they have a solid room behind him. Just wanted to give an update on him. Yeah, I have no concerns there at all. This next one is your department. This is, I mean, this is your area of expertise. This is probably what you should have graduated from Lincoln in. Cryptic tweets,
0: uh, a, ba- a bachelor's in cryptic tweets or can something you, can like you, that. Can you, st- can you major in that now? Is that a thing? <laughs>
4: you should teach some
0: of the coursework there. I, I might. Hey, <laughs> let's, see, let's see what the bag's looking like first.
4: Chris Jones has not been in St. Joe. And if I had to put any money on it, probably won't with only one very quick practice remaining for the world champions, but he's been very active on social media, whether you want to call it Twitter or X, he actually replied to show and BK's uh I want to say it was like the teaser for their latest episode and was talking about how they, they still have no faith or they still have no worry that Chris Jones will show up and will play regular season games. I believe his reply to that was, that's what you hope. And then this one also caught me. I guard. now there's been a lot of these, so I'm just kind of picking through a few of them. I'm sure Mark has one that he likes as well, but uh, Chris Jones says, stay strong and carry on. And a fan named Holly replies and says, Chris, this cryptic tweeting is making me nuts. Okay. It's probably it's probably making me nuts. I just need a yes or no, preferably a yes. Chris Jones replies, I'm under contract for one more year. I'm no fortune teller. Let's just enjoy this year with the trophy emoji. Uh yeah. Your your the runway is clear for you on how you're feeling about contract negotiations and if these latest tweets add anything to what
0: you're feeling. Um No, not really. I think a lot of this is coming from his agent. I think they're just playing negotiation tactics at this point. I think it's all a mind game. I don't think for fans, it's something that you should really stress about too much. Obviously, there's an offer on the table, I believe. I think just the structure needs to be tweaked from uh, Chris Jones' side. I think right now they're playing a game of standoff right now. They're trying to wait and see who's going to budge first. Is it going to be Brett Veach, or is it going to be Chris Jones and his team? Because obviously week one is coming up. I think we both agree he's not going to miss any game checks. He is under contract for this season, so I do expect him to be there against the Detroit Lions. But the conversation is, will the contract extension be done prior to that game? And right now, I hate to give such a a cop-out answer, but I'm really 50-50 right now, Aaron. Yellow Yellow light gunnels in the building. I'm really conflicted, man. I can see both sides. I can see a world where um, you know, they get a deal done. Brett Veach maybe caves in a little bit and he just wants to keep his guy there for the next three or four years. And I can see a world where Veach has his number, he has his structure, he's not coming off of it. And Chris Jones and this team or maybe still be a little stubborn and they don't take it. He plays his last year out, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. I'm I'm really torn, Aaron. I don't know where you're at on this, but that's where I am right now.
4: At this point, mindsets have to be changed on both sides. I think when we started these negotiations or when we started these conversations after the Super Bowl, we're like, oh man, Depoy candidate, he, he pencil him in for another 15 sack season. Like I'm not worried about an extension. And here we are on the heels of preseason game number two. And there's really no – I mean, the heels have dug in even more. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Chris and his team because I think that plays an important part in this. And my buddy Nick Jacobs, who works at KSHB 41, does an amazing job with a bunch of our Chiefs coverage. You've watched our pre- and post-game show this past week. That was all produced by him solo, so I want to shout out him for his work. But he tweeted this, and I think it adds a little bit more context to this whole Chris Jones situation. Players on active NFL rosters – represented by the Cats brothers who are Chris Jones's current representatives. He says, Chris Jones, Jody Fortson, Keith Kirkwood, Alameda Zacchaeus, former Falcon, Falcons legend, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Shandon Sullivan, and Jordan Mason. So <laughs> I think that tweet, if I'm not putting words in Nick's mouth, but I'm going to go on good authority, and I understand what he's saying with this tweet is, Chris Jones is their big white whale. Chris Jones is their blue chip uh, client, if you will. The, this is This contract and this deal and how it's negotiated and the compensation that they get off of this deal is going to be very important for the future of their agency. So I think not only do they understand that, I think that's how they're moving with this negotiation. And I think that's kind of been their strategy throughout how this whole thing goes is that we have a number and we're sticking to it. We don't care if we don't care if Brett Veach doesn't pay top of end market money. We don't care if Brett Veach has said this and that you are the best defensive player in all of football. And this is our number and we're not doing anything until we get this number. It's a, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous proposition because we're sitting here uh, under a month now away from the first game. And I I don't know if Chris Jones is in football shape. Uh, Joe Cullen took the podium today at training camp and said that they still talk. Joe Cullen is the chiefs defensive line coach joined the organization last year uh and and him and chris have a great relationship and he says i'm texting him all the time and i'm telling him like yo we need you yo hope you're ready hope you're staying ready um because we all saw what that chief's defense looks like without chris jones and i'm starting to get nervous on more of a uh if he shows up than a when he shows up
0: yeah and i think you made a great point and shout out to mr jacobs there your teammate at 41. I think that tweet was great because Chris Jones is the breadwinner there. He yeah. he's, he's he's the guy that's that's everybody's eating off of in the family. He's the one that people are asking, hey, man, can I hold 10, bro? I got you back <laughs> next week, man. Let me hold something, bro. He's the, he's the distant cousin like you haven't heard from in a while. Now people hitting him up like, hey, what's up, cousin? Like he's that guy in that agency. So this is a big negotiation for them. This is going to shape probably how their agency is going to be moving forward. So I understand from their perspective why they're being so gun-hold on whatever that number may be. We've seen numbers floated out, 31, 32. Does he want to get paid more than Aaron Donald, potentially? I mean, that's been a thing that's been floated around. So it's going to be interesting because we know Brett Veach is very – he can be stubborn sometimes. We saw what he did with the Tyreek Hill situation. He has a number. He doesn't really move off of it. And it's kind of the Patriot way, if you would, Aaron. Throughout all those years when Tom Brady was there, we, how often do we hear they just let quality guys go? And then you're just like, what are they doing there? And they just kept winning because they still had Belichick. They still had Brady, still had Gronk. Is this, is this a situation where is Chris Jones not viewed as a part of that, that top core is he not in there with the Patrick Mahomes, the Travis Kelseys, or is he just a step outside of that door? I think we're going to find out very soon because I tell I'll tell you right now, if this was Mahomes' team or Travis Kelsey's team, there would be no argument. You get whatever you want, but we'll see what happens with Chris Jones, man.
4: Let's uh, let's get to our Chiefs preview.
3: You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview.
0: Chiefs preview.
4: We are rolling merrily along through episode 52 and through the preseason. Chiefs will head to Glendale, Arizona, a very familiar place for the world champion Chiefs. Of course, obviously, that's where they won the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles. Last time they were in this building, Uh, I want to put like some sage or something in the air for the field. The playing surface that has been discussed ad nauseum since the last time (laughs) the Chiefs played there. Uh, Hopefully it's much better than the last time they played there. But this surface is not only used for playing games, but also the Cardinals have their training camp practices on the same field as well. So (laughs) I'm sure it's in tip top shape Saturday, August 19th. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Kansas City time from Glendale, Arizona, Chiefs and Cardinals. Very simple, Mark. What do you want to see from the Chiefs in game in game two of the preseason? We know it's just a three-game preseason now, so your dress rehearsal, or your starter's playing a little bit longer. Maybe that gets moved up a little bit more. Um, we're, we're keeping our eye on the 53-man roster. The roster cutdowns are also different this year for the first time um what's what do you have your eye on entering this matchup uh against the cardinals
0: well before i actually get into the the game one thing i'm curious about and you mentioned it in your opening there is the field and typically the second game especially now since so there's only three instead of four preseason games the second game is when you see your starters play the most but unfortunately this second game just happens to be on that field so it's <laughs> it puts the Chiefs in a weird spot here. Do you still go based on how you normally go in a typical second preseason game and have the starters play however long you would normally do? Or do you cut that back a little bit considering the place you're playing at in this game? I kind of am curious to hear your thoughts on that. If you're Andy Reid, do you let that affect how you go about playing time in this game?
4: I don't know. Dave Tobe, uh, Chiefs Special Teams Coordinator and Assistant Head Coach, was kind of asked about Um, how he thinks the field will be holding up by the time they get there. I don't know if it was a political answer. I don't know if it was actually how he feels, but he says he has faith. He feels like it'll be different because obviously they used the golf grass for the Super Bowl last time out. Um, This time, kind of going back to the traditional service that the Cardinals are used to playing and practicing on. For me, if you're asking starters play time, I would like to see what Andy Reid promises the first time around. Give me a full quarter. And if it's one of those things where the offense is in the middle of a drive as the quarter ends out, let them finish out that drive. But at this point in time, especially based off what that first preseason game and the performance that y'all put on tape the first time out, I got to see something better, man. And specifically, I got to see success in short yardage. Show me some creativity on fourth and short or third and short. Don't line up in an a I formation. Don't line up in something with the with the tight end under, the, under center and your motion. Like, Give me four wide and Mahomes scrambles. Give me, give me the corn dog, or give me like the snow globe player. give me something that mirrors your traditional offense in fourth and in, in short yardage. I don't know why, and maybe this is because I'm not a coach and I'm just a guy who podcasts and and, and does TV. But I don't know why KC treats short yardage situations like it's a completely different game than they're treating the rest of the game. Like it, it's almost a little bit of an overthinking from my perspective, if those situations come up again here in preseason game number two, I want to see success in short yardage for KC.
0: Yeah, and for me, assuming the starters do play at least a quarter in this game, which I think they ultimately will, I want to see more of Deneric Prince, a guy that you mentioned earlier. You know, he's been a a camp darling, to say the least, a guy that people have been really high on. I want to see more of that burst. I think in that first game, I think it was more of him overthinking Instead of just actually hitting the hole and going. I don't think it had anything to do with his actual game speed. So hopefully with more reps in this second game, the game starts to slow down for him. And you see him pop a little bit more on the screen. And I also want to see him more in the passing game. We didn't get to see that in New Orleans. That's been one thing that we've been hearing about throughout Is He's a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield as well. So I want to see a little bit more of that. Uh, just more of the offensive line play. Some more continuity there. Just continuing to stack more good reps. Based on what they did last week, and I want to see Mahomes actually throw a ball past ten yards in this game.
4: <laughs> well, let's stick with the quarterbacks because people were very impressed with. Speak of a, a camp, darling. How about preseason, darling? Shane Buchel? The last few seasons, big game. Shane has showed up in a big way. If you take away the interception, I thought he was flawless in the game against New Orleans, and it has people talking. I, I, I'm I'm looking on the timelines. I'm looking on the twitters. I'm looking on social media. People think big game. Shane should be QB two entering this season over potentially a guy they brought in from Tampa Bay in uh Missouri tiger standout um, Blaine Gabbard. What do you think, man? Is, is it because in my, in my perspective, I don't think there's anything that he could do in the preseason that could really change the depth chart on how it looks. I think no matter how much Shane plays his ass off, Blaine was brought in under the premise of being that steady veteran presence uh a la uh, Chad Henney last year but there's gonna be a point here where if Shane keeps putting some of those those like those scramble plays like we saw in New Orleans that's got Mahomes fired up on the sideline like at a certain point the coaches are gonna have to take notice
0: um and, and there may be something here. What do you think? Yeah this is all chief Twitter talk. Nothing more nothing less there's no, <laughs> no way <laughs> what you finally <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this is all hoopla. Blaine Gabbert is QB2. This is not even a discussion inside of one arrowhead drive. I can guarantee you that. Like you mentioned, they brought in Blaine Gabbert to be QB2, to be that Chad Henney. The guy has played the last couple of years behind Tom Brady. So I would imagine he's learned a lot of good things during that time, taking notes here and there behind the GOAT. And, you know, if Mahomes is a knock on wood, Mahomes isn't needed or Mahomes isn't, doesn't get hurt to where you're, you're needing your backup quarterback to play. I think Blaine Gabbard is a, a solid QB, too, man. I think he, people are really getting too high because they saw the flash in Shane Buchel, and it was kind of more like a Mahomes-esque type of play style. But Chad Henney was not that type of guy. He's a guy that just comes in there, knows the playbook, makes the reads, finds the open guy. He's not going to scramble around, put the ball in harm's way. And I think that's going to be a similar thing if if Blaine Gabbert ever has to come into the game, just somebody that's steady. I don't need the flash and the high-risk plays because you're not Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, you pulled that off, but it was pretty <laughs> as well against backups. So I, I'm not – I'm yellow light ladding the Shane hype. The big gang He doesn't deserve no nickname for a preseason. Get out of here with that.
4: This is his first time doing that. And I do think it's funny. Like, Mahomes obviously is an ad lib backyard quarterback guy. And then the last, you know, since he's coming and been a starter, like the second guy is nothing like that. He's more of a like stationary, <laughs> like, like a very traditional pocket passer type. Like I Matt do Moore. Wonder, yeah, I do wonder when, like. You know, when this QB two and three just all turn into like Mahomes prototypes like Shane has a little bit more of that in his game. I it, it, It's almost like for the yin and yang for Andy Reid, like he'll roll and he'll live with Mahomes and all the ad libs and the stuff that he does, because obviously it's amazing. And the, and the ceiling is so great. But he also part of him in the back of his mind knows that he needs to have like a field general stable, like traditional type quarterback there. So I, I think that's one. No controversy here. We're both out on that here on Coast to Coast.